Depending on which articles you read and who you ask, Bitcoin is either looking bearish or bullish. Our professional projection remains the same. Bitcoin will go up and Bitcoin will go down. However, if ancillary stories are any indication of the future, perhaps it's bearish that the Bitcoin king has been arrested in Brazil. Binance has suspended Euro bank transfers and Elon Musk's latest attempt to pump Dogecoin has failed miserably. We've got this news and a lot more, including a special interview with the good people at givedirectly.org. The first nonprofit that allows users to send funds to the world's neediest people with no strings attached. We'll share some news stuff and do some good stuff on this long live the Bitcoin King bad news episode number 530 of the bad crypto podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, zero, Who's bad? to friends, family, and foes around the world. I don't think we have any foes, but if we did, foe on you. This is the Bad Crypto Podcast, and this is our weekly news episode, episode number 530. My compatriot, my comrade with me is Sir Lord Travis Wright. I am Dr. Sir Lord Joel Kong. Mm, you got a new one? Oh, well, then I'm, I'm Sir Lord Travis Wright Esquire. Oh, nice. Well, I'm a doctor because if anybody should have a PhD in NFTology, it's me. Okay. So I got a PhD in NFTs and I'm Joe Joe C. Uh. How you be? <laughs> you got to end the rap with a fart. Always. I fart at. Always. Yeah. So we're glad so, you guys are here. Got news yeah, today. It's true. Great news. We have now reached over 14 trillion downloads of Bad Crypto. Very exciting milestone as we're approaching the one year milestone. So we got like about what? We got about one year, four years. Excuse me. Yeah, oh, four yeah. years. Time, time just flew. I went through. A, I went through a time traveling. Thing. <laughs> you did a I little Rick and Morty thing there. Huh? The other day, and so I'm like all messed up. Yeah, yeah. It'll be four years here um, in just let's see, uh, eleven days from now. That's pretty amazing to me. We better stop now. We better stop now. And so, thanks for listening. And stay bad. Stay and bad. and and check out our sponsor, Animoca. They're working to revolutionize the game industry. Huge hits, F1 Delta Time, Quid, The Sandbox, Crazy Defense Heroes, Gamey, so many more. If you're a gamer or you just want to know what they're up to, check them out. They are leading the way in blockchain gaming. Animocabrands.com is the place. That is the place. And as we like to say, everything Animoca Brands touches turns to gold. That's Yatsu over there. He does manage to make it happen. All right, let's get to today's news. The timestamp is 3.28 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time on the 7th of July, 2021. The total crypto market caps on CoinGecko.com, $1.522 trillion. Bitcoin, $34,687. Ethereum, $23,62. Tether, $0.999. Binance Coin, $3.38. Cardano, $1.42. XRP, $0.67. Dogecoin, $23. USD, being very USD-ish at $1 even. Polkadot, $17.57. And rounding out the top 10 is Uniswap. And it is at uh, almost $23 right now. 
Very nice. Check these out. There's been some big, big winners this past week. And uh, a few of them I actually am holding. In fact, there's actually more than about, I see about four of them that I'm holding. So the biggest winner of the week is Axie Infinity by mm -hmm. AXS. This thing is up 220% this week, folks. I guess they got some big stuff brewing over there with NFTs and the game system they have. Huge. Now, we also talked about, you know, how Coinbase had their ICO. We talked about how Binance has been doing big things. Well, you know, here's another big exchange that I love a lot is KuCoin. And because I went to KU, and so it's KU coin, so I'm a big fan of it. KCS up 90% this week to $14. Keep an eye on that as it's popped up over a billion dollars in market cap value. Ecomi is up 88%. This has gone on a tear. It was actually up even a little bit higher yesterday, but it's gone down a little bit. And Flow up 57%. So check that out. Of the first, of the, the, the top four biggest winners of this last week, three of them are big NFTs. Now, also, you have Synthetics Network that's been up 56%, Compound up 49%, and then Decentraland, another big crypto, the MANA token, is up 42%. Harmony, that's another NFT. That's the ONE token. That's up 39%. And the Ave token, another NFT, up 36%. What does that tell us, Joel? I guess the NFT is just N bad. NFTs are dead. It's okay. Over. It was a fad. There were tulips, just like Bitcoin has been tulips for years now. It's still tulips. They are like they're tulips that never die, though. The most beautiful tulips ever. As far as the uh, the downs for the week, no major losses. Uh, no, nothing, gr nothing greater than twenty percent in the top one hundred down for the week. So things looking very sideways in the crypto world right now. However, according to this piece on Cointelegraph, backwardation in Bitcoin futures contracts shows pro-investors lack confidence. Apparently, traders are still searching for um, uh, a bottom on this thing that overall metrics show sentiment is negative. And even though we had a short rally um, to 40,000 that didn't stick. And so I'm not sure what people are looking for now. I, you know, I, I'm taking a broader view at this. I think that we're still always looking at manipulation. I think the powers that be want to get as much Bitcoin from fearful people as they can before they drive this thing to the moon. Yeah, well, like we like to call it back ass words or ask backwards, one of the two. I've never heard of backwardation, but what this means is uh, it's the market condition wherein the price of a commodity's forward or futures contract is trading below the expected spot price at contract maturity. The resulting futures or forward curve would typically be downward sloping since the contracts for future dates would typically trade at even lower prices. That is what Wikipedia and Investopedia have to say about backwardation. So here you go, learning stuff on bad crypto, badwardation. That's You've like been, what we do when we have stupid words. It was a bad word, yeah. badwardation. You've been backwardated. Okay. But so, but, you know, it, talk about schizophrenic because in the same publication on the same day, this article by Sam Borgi says turning bullish institutions are net buyers of crypto for the first time in five weeks. I guess institutional managers took a break. They took four weeks of profit taking and now they're buying into crypto funds again. So, you know, this is conflicting messages here 
And uh, we're going to stick by our predictions as non-financial advisors that we can say with 100% certainty that Bitcoin will go up and Bitcoin will go down, not at the same time. So that's just really what it means is like folks think it's going to go up. Some think it's going to go down. You know what? We could see a major dump before it goes back up. We could maybe just see it just taking off. It's interesting watching some of these NFT projects starting to roll. There's a, those are really starting to move upwards. I mean, Omi up almost 100% at one point. Actually, it was up 130% at one point in the past week. And, you know, and then seeing, you know, Axie Infinity up 220%. So there's there's some things that are moving. There's some things that are sort of rustling a little bit. And we're getting some getting some uh, some forwardation. And uh, let's get more forwardation and less ass backwardation. I can guarantee this, that you'll probably take a major dump before it goes back up again. You know what? You're probably right. And there will be corn involved. Did you know that there's a king of Bitcoin? I didn't realize this. All hail the king of Bitcoin. Well, he's not the king king of Bitcoin. Bitcoin. He's the Bitcoin king. Oh, he's the Bitcoin king. Is that different? I guess so. I mean, there could be a king of Bitcoin, but this guy's the Bitcoin king. His name is Claudio Oliveira. And apparently he's Brazilian. I'd never heard of him. Claudio Oliveira. How are you doing, Claudio? He's not doing well. He's under arrest. (laughs) Oh, shit. He got busted. Yeah. Yeah. The president of Bitcoin Banco Group, Claudio Oliveira, has been arrested. He's responsible for swiping 7,000 Bitcoins from customers. Swiper? No swiping. Come on. Don't be taking people's Bitcoin. So I guess when you're like, I am the king of the Bitcoin, I will take your Bitcoin for my own. That's kind of what governments do. I guess that he was, was just French. That way you just put a French accent on this Brazilian guy. Well, I will take you. I will take in the Bitcoin. <laughs> I will I will take in the Bitcoin for myself. Thank you. It's probably a Portuguese accent as what we're I don't even have here. a Portuguese accent. So yeah. I don't know Portuguese and yeah, Portuguese. I think I've got a Portuguese and dog or something. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't even know. My little baby Portuguese. And apparently the first signs of fraud occurred in 2019 when 7,000 Bitcoins disappeared. Poof. Which led to the opening of the case. He's being accused of money laundering. And uh, good luck there, Claudio. You know, it's uh, don't steal from people. Not, not a yeah. good idea. They seized his assets. They seized cash. They seized luxury cars. They seized his hard wallets with crypto on it. And uh, no bueno. Yeah, no bueno for him. No bueno that he decided to take other people's stuff that was not his. And there you go, folks. Do not leave your cryptos on exchanges because there might be a Bitcoin king out there trying to take your shit. Well, we all know that Tesla has made a big bet on Bitcoin, about $1.5 billion. But pundits are saying that because of Bitcoin being down so much in the last quarter, that Tesla could report up to a $100 million loss because of the the investments they made. I guess many of the Bitcoin they bought were higher than 35000 you know, where Bitcoin is right now at the time. It, it doesn't matter. It's all paper reporting anyway. People aren't buying Tesla because the amount of Bitcoin they've invested in. People might buy Bitcoin because Tesla has bought Bitcoin, but people are investing in Tesla purely on the personality of Elon Musk and on the forward-looking statements and beliefs that his automobiles and other technology are going to drive the future 
pun intended. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is this is the second side of the coin because in quarter one, they were like, oh, Tesla profited, blah, 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 blah. And, and a lot of that was because of Bitcoin profits, right? And so here it is. Bitcoin goes up, Bitcoin goes down. Now Bitcoin's just kind of chilling, doing its thing. And so it is what it is, folks. It's it's it, Crypto goes up, crypto goes down. We talk about it all the time. They bought $1.5 billion worth of Bitcoin in February. The price went up. Then the price has gone down. How much was it exactly in February when they bought it? So it looks like they have they have made a little bit of a loss. But come on, if you bought one point five billion dollars worth of Bitcoin and now your Bitcoin is worth one point four billion, yeah, okay, Ooh. sad, it's, it's sad up. panda, sad yeah. panda. But Speaking your Bitcoin of, was over two billion earlier in Q one. So what are you talking mm-hmm. about? Speaking of Elon Musk, he is still attempting to pump dogecoin there's been a number of tweets here at the beginning of july that he put out there one of them was baby doge do 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 baby doge do 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 baby doge do 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 baby doge um it looks like doge went up about five percent after his second tweet and then came back down it has not really pumped much of anything and so sorry doge users i think doge is likely to go back up again when Bitcoin goes back up again, I think that all, you know, the altcoins by and large follow Bitcoin and then Ethereum. And so will Doge see 50, 70 cents again? I think so. I don't know. So I think so. Well, think about it like this. I mean, if Bitcoin goes to two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars, then I could see, you know, Dogecoin going to two to three bucks at Dogecoin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, if they all sort of follow it and it's like, you saw what happened when the TikTokers were going crazy with it last time, right? And they said, hey, if everybody just buys it, and it was less than a penny at the time. Now it's at 23 cents and it's going down. Like, I really, I, I'd like to see it go down about another 75%, get it down to a nickel and uh, then let it ride back up. Because it's, I, It seems to me like, I mean, but here's the thing. Didn't we talk about it? Like maybe it was last week, the Dogecoin, there's more transactions on e-commerce sites with Dogecoin than any other coin. So that's kind of a hello, how the hell are you? Well, and here's the thing that the Doge community is strong. In fact, the story from Decrypt says that there is a million Doge disco party that's going on. It's an augmented reality game. And basically what it is, is people are supposed to film themselves dancing with this uh, augmented reality Shiba Inu and go treasure hunting to earn various Doge NFTs as well as a prize from a pool of a million Doge coins worth about a quarter million dollars right now. There's a website for it. You can play what they're calling Doja Gachi. <laughs> Nice. All right. Doge Let's see it disco. Again. Doge, do, baby, doge, do, 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 baby, doge. This is fun. So they're having a proof of party mechanism. And that's how you know if you upload footage of yourself dancing with the doge, then um, then you know that you've got POP, proof of party. Mm, very nice. And it's Kyle Kemper. It's Kyle Kem- I think we know this guy. Kyle Kemper is a, is a dude that we have we have met before. Kyle Kemper is the dude who uh, the Swiss keys guy. Whoa. Holy shit. Wait a second. He is, he is Justin Trudeau's half brother. Does that mean he's uh, Castro's half son? <laughs> well, no, it's probably no, Cause he, here's the, th- 
Here's the thing. And that's a, that's a rabbit hole that I, I sent people down the other day. I was posting some photos of that on Instagram because it's so, if you look at that, if you look, because here's the thing, Justin Trudeau's mom and dad were notorious swingers in the sixties. And you know, in the, in the sixties, they had all these partner swapping and all that stuff. And they just love Fidel Castro. There's all kinds of photos of Margaret Trudeau hanging out with Fidel and have you ever really seen Fidel Castro smile much in any photo? But he is grinning like a Cheshire cat every photo with Margaret Trudeau. And then they're holding little baby Justin. I think maybe Margaret might be the, the mom of, uh, of uh, Kemper then. I don't know. I've never, I've never even heard that before. That's a brand new thing. But it says it here on decrypt.co. So I'm, I'm actually a friend of his on the Facebook. So I'll have to ask him. There you go. Say, tell us, tell us the truth here, Kyle. What's You're like, going? dude, dude, dude. Grab a hair from Justin. We're going to do some DNA samples on that mofo. <laughs> and we're going to grab a beer. We can probably get some DNA from Fidel and be like, ha-ha! And a cigar. Yeah. From, from Cuba. So some governments, again, are making it difficult for people to do things. And Binance has suspended the ability to make euro bank transfers. You can fund with credit cards and debit cards if you want to, but not through your bank. All kinds of regulation scares going on. Binance is just one of them. Barclays, the UK bank, is blocking payments to Binance because they're, they're trying to help their customers is what they're saying. They're protecting their customers. There was a tweet about this from and Barclays respondents and they were, they were protecting their customers and the ratio was outrageous. Uh, people were just saying, you guys suck. Don't You know what? We don't need your protection. If we're buying crypto, it's because we're choosing to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because we got to protect you from your money, but it's OK. Go down to go down to the, the convenience store and go spend a shitload on the lottery and uh, go put all your money on red. But you can't do crypto because we're here to protect you. And actually, now they're protecting their own assets is what they're doing. Now, you want to protect your assets, folks. We've talked to you many times about this. And if you don't own your keys, you don't own your crypto. And another example here on Cointelegraph with my brother, Turner Wright, who is neither my brother nor related, but there's a Cryptopia employee. He admitted to stealing $172,000 in crypto. And they discovered this back in September, but uh, they, they didn't necessarily figure it out. But the former employee of the old exchange Cryptopia which I actually had a little bit of Bitcoin on, uh, not a lot, like I think like 0 0.05 or something of a Bitcoin, but I wasn't able to grab it. So I guess he he's took a little bit of my Bitcoin as well, stealing $172,000 in crypto, but he made copies of users' private keys and then stole them on, their, on his own. And now he's in jail. Not so your keys, not your crypto, gang. Not your keys, not your crypto. It isn't? So wait, you lost $1,700 more in Bitcoin on top of the 55 Bitcoin that you've lost previously? Well, I mean, I have, if you have like a little bit on an exchange that I'm going to do a little trading, I, there's only 15, because they, they actually had a limit of what you could pull out at a time. Mm -hmm. And so then I had a little bit left over there that I just never went over and grabbed off of there. I think it was like 0 0.04 or something Bitcoin, but um, maybe not even that much, but I know I had a little bit over there on that in Bitcoin because I had traded something because Cryptopia was one of the only places where you could trade a certain coin that I had. Hmm. And, and so, yeah. It's I, I told you I've never lost crypto, but I did lose something on Cryptopia. It was a small amount of some 
you know, garbage coin. And I won't know what it is because you can't get in there and we'll probably never recover it. But it is what it is. Stuff happens. It's the risk you take and never invest more than you can afford to lose. Well, if you've got crypto, you can go spend it. In fact, you can spend it on a diamond at Sotheby's. This is a gem. It's pear-shaped. It's flawless. And they believe this gem could fetch $15 million. If you want to bid on it, they'll accept Bitcoin or Ether. So this is kind of a milestone. This is this is a first that they're selling a expensive physical object for purchase with crypto. This is not an NFT. This is a real diamond. Look at this thing, too. There's a picture of it. 101.38 carat Woo! diamond. That's trying, that'd make one hell of a heavy ring, right? <laughs> My baby, I really love you. Like, how heavy is it? Uh, I don't know, but it's big. It's a big ass diamond. And baby, I love you so much. I want you to wear this ring. And so you can't even lift up your arm. You could see a picture of it in the show notes uh, for this episode. If you go to badco.in forward slash five, three, Oh, you will find it there. You know, just a little bit ago, we covered the guy who got busted um, from stealing from cryptopia. We've got the Bitcoin King got busted is under arrest in Brazil. And now a YouTuber is being accused of a rug pull on his followers, accused of engineering a multi-million dollar pump and dump via Uniswap. He's known as Tech Lead on YouTube. His name is Patrick Shu, and apparently he's in trouble a little bit here. Mm. Yeah, he launched the million token, MM, and uh, basically was pumping it up, and there was, yeah, it was a dollar at launch. It saw a 3,500 percent increase made it all the way up to $36 and 87 cents and then boom it crashed and uh that's wild so I, like no maximum value on this thing I don't know I don't get it uh, these YouTube channels where these non-financial advisors okay I'm not talking about people who are licensed and even that doesn't mean they know what they're talking about I'm talking about regular YouTubers who are out there pumping tokens. Look, if there's one thing that we have been consistent with for four years, whether projects we've had on this show have succeeded or failed, we're always super transparent with you. We tell you, hey, we're getting paid to have these guys on the show. They pay us. It is sponsored crypto spotlights. These people out there that don't tell you that up front, you don't know if they're getting paid or not. You don't know how much they own, if they're you know going to make money off of it. All y'all that are doing YouTube videos or podcasting that are telling people that this is going to moon and we're going to pump this, y'all need to quit because if anything is bad for the crypto space, it's that BS. And I, I would challenge those of you who consume that content to not consume that content. I don't think that it's, it's good for the space at all. That's all I'll say about that. Yeah. I'm consistent at taking dumps and uh, some of them have porn. And, but aside from that, I, I would say, be careful out there with, with some of those things, because you got to realize that in some cases they're partnered up with that particular project there, it's it's to, to make these sort of uh, you know guesses on what it's going to do. They get people all hyped up and excited, and then they go ahead and pull out near the top, and then leaving everybody else holding the bag. Those are the kind of things that probably need to be kind of smacked down on. Those that that that, that bad actors doing those things, that's no good for the space. 
That's one reason why we'll never tell you what token to go out and buy. We've never done that. In so, and in some cases, it's probably you know hurt growth over the time. But we want to make sure that we don't we don't necessarily care about that. We're we're all about doing good stuff, informing people, and helping you do your own research and, and do your own due diligence on things because that's what's important. We want you to be critical thinkers and say, hey, we might tell you sometimes like, hey, here's an interesting project that we think is interesting and cool that's come onto the show and they paid us or hey. We, I just actually snagged some of this token, but I'm not telling you to go out and do it, but you can go do some research on it, right? So that's just kind of how we operate. It just seems to be a better, safer, more, con- more. it's more congruent with our feelings. This is how we do it. I don't want to fight about it, Travis. Let's not fight. Only f- We're going in the octagon, bitch. All right. So the UFC has signed a 10-year, $175 million partnership with crypto com. This is the biggest sponsorship in their promotions history. So you could expect the crypto.com branding to appear on the uniform of every UFC fighter. And uh, it's bringing crypto before mainstream eyeballs. Yeah, bringing, you know, think about the kind of folks that like UFC, you know, mostly I would say probably 80% dudes, right? Crypto is probably 80% dudes, if not more, right? I think more and more women are getting getting used to crypto as, as, as digital currencies become more prevalent. I know there's a lot of there's a lot of amazing minds out there that are in the space, but I think that that uh, it's probably a pretty smart, pretty smart bet. $170 million partnership though, that uh, that that crow token better take off, boy. That's the case. Oh, not that I'm sorry, that was a rooster, not a crow. <laughs> yeah, we talked about this a couple months ago where FTX did a partnership with the Miami Heat, uh-huh. right? And then also Trevor Lawrence, who's the first uh, pick in the NFL draft this last year. And NFL has also done some other stuff with some uh, some crypto sites. So interesting news. Yeah, we've got an interview that we just did that's going to be coming out in August with uh, Kevin from Coin Metro, and I think he said that uh, you know for a small sponsorship um, they'd pay us for you to tattoo Coin Metro on your ass. Hmm. Well, that's pretty. Like we're at on the ass. Uh, somewhere. <laughs> There's a lot of real estate there. Is there? <laughs> which zone? Left cheek, right cheek, center. Which, which quadrant? Well, upper. Are we talking? Lower. I don't know. Near the bunghole. Exactly. How are we going to go? That's, that's a sensitive area for a tattoo. No tattoo in there. Oh. <laughs> not doing that again i've already been <laughs> uh, let's take a quick jaunt around the world go to china apparently six of china's top banks have tasked their employees with promoting digital Huan wallets they are asking them to do it to bring in two to three hundred people each year employees are able to offer an odd variety of small gifts such as laundry detergent data cables card holders, Chinese knots, umbrellas, and tissues can see it now. You know, you need to have a digital one wallet and I will give you some laundry detergent. <laughs> Boy, that is a really good deal. Could you throw in some tissues? I mean, basically, you know, what they're saying is fearless leader has asked you to indoctrinate people and uh, get them, you know, ramping up the digital one wallet. Bitcoin they, bad. Tissue's good. Yeah. Travis, are you are you using a Chinese accent? Because that you're gonna get some people upset. How dare you? 
How dare you speak in any accent other than your very natural non-accent Midwestern accent? I'm very sorry, but now we're talking Russian accent because next we go to the next article about Russian lawmaker prepare legal amendment to confiscate crypto. Putin does not want you to have your crypto. Putin wants to have your crypto. Igor Krasnov, the new crypto regulations are needed to combat corruption in Russia. So we will steal them from you. We will use our corruption to take to minimize your corruption. In next election against Putin, we'll be voting for Boris Bedanov, because at least he knew the moose and the squirrel mm. in Natasha. And actually, in the election, you will vote for Putin or you will die. So meanwhile, good things happening back here in the States. Wyoming is further solidifying its position as the most crypto friendly state in North America by being the first to have a recognized DAO. The American Crypto Fed DAO received notice from the Wyoming Secretary of State Office on Tuesday, recognizing it as a legal entity. Way to go, Wyoming. And of course, we know our friend Caitlin Long has probably had much to do with moving this forward. Mm. Yeah, she's she's amazing, doing some great stuff over there. Now, I want to actually, this is, this is interesting to me, because I don't know if you remember this or not, but I believe it was back in, I don't know, 2000, it was in the early 2000s, there was a dude I think his name was Von Nothaus designed this Liberty dollar currency in 1998. And these Liberty coins were marked with the dollar sign and the words dollar, USA, Liberty, trust in gold, et cetera, et cetera. And it was one ounce of pure silver. He got arrested, right? And I think he might even still be in jail um, for creating a, a, something called a dollar. I wonder why that same sort of precedent is not, you know, is not relevant for people who are creating digital dollars. Like this is a digital dollar. Is it really? Over in Europe, the Swiss bank Signum has announced that they have become the first bank in the world to allow their clients to stake ether. That is a first earning yields of up to 7% annually. Dang. That, that's, that's actually really interesting to have banks allowing you to stake crypto and then you know because you know who was we were talking i think it was we were talking to jed Jed mccaleb way back in 2017 and he was talking about how eventually everybody will have their own like the wells fargo stable dollar the bank of america stable dollar and etc etc and so i could see how staking some of these some of these coins and then earning yield back into something attached to that particular bank or financial institution could be really cool. I'm going to be the uh, the English teacher here again, though, and say, what the hell is with what is announced? It doesn't say has announced. It says announced. Yeah. Like a simple spell a very check. Good proofreader over there, do they? A simple spell check. It's built into WordPress before you publish would say announced isn't a word. It's has announced. Come on, guys, do do better. Mm-hmm. Uh, we love you know Coin Telegraph and these other crypto publications, but let's journalist right here and at least spell check for things that aren't even real words. 
I, I'm sorry. I can't it's stop. It's really easy on that one. Or at least just run your article through Grammarly or something. It's something, right? Something, something. I mean, I, I say things incorrectly all the time, but if I'm going to write it, I'm going to spell check it. Oh. Wow. Hey, so the RSA conference is a really big security conference. And uh, it's, I've been to it a couple of times. I used to, I used to work for Norton as the global digital strategist over there uh, at Symantec for the Norton brand. And they are taking some heat right now for suggesting that blockchain replace the internet's most important protocol. So they're saying that blockchain should potentially replace TCP IP. And uh, they, they say, but, but they both serve different purposes and are not interchangeable. So it's kind of weird how they're saying this. I do want to say this, uh, Google Cyber Polygon uh, Cyber Polygon is going on this Friday, and it is basically the world's elite and the top cybersecurity people talking about cybersecurity. And it's really sort of a parallel to what happened with the conference they did, Agenda 201, in October of 2019, to prepare the elite for the pandemic that was getting ready to happen. That was the whole thing. This right here is basically preparing the global elite for when all of the electric grids and, and things start getting shut down because of cyber terrorism. This tells me every time they do one of these, shortly thereafter, whatever they were preparing for tends to happen. So I would just say, I'm not a financial advisor, but I would say maybe get yourself a power generator or look into solar energy because there's something fucky about to start happening. Mm. There you go. Travis is prognosticating. You're, you're such a conspiracy theorist, Travis. How dare you ask questions about things? There's well, I'll just, I'll just say this. I've just researched things a lot. I go down rabbit holes that a lot of people are uncomfortable going down. And because a lot of people just really don't ask questions. And so I'm a big, big fan of critical thinking and just kind of coming to, I don't like to be told what to think. I like to come to my own conclusions on a lot of things. And so I, that's what I do. And I'm not saying that I'm not saying that, hey, in the next couple of months, they're going to have but they've been telegraphing this for a while. They've been saying the dark winter's coming and I, they, they're, they're just telling us and then, oh, hey, Putin, here's the most 16 important areas of our infrastructure that we don't want you to hack. Like Biden told Putin the 16 areas they didn't want. Like, there's just a lot of stupid stuff going on that just tells me that there's something crazy around the corner and it might be a good idea to have alternative sources of energy for your home and protect yourself. That's what I'm saying. There you go. And if you're not going to stay home, and you're going to travel. Perhaps you're going to find yourself at a pavilion hotel or resort. They are in. Let's see. Where, where are they at? Uh, Phuket, Niseko. They're in the Philippines, the Palawan Islands, uh, Bali, Himalayas, Mongolia. They are a hotel chain that is now going to accept bookings in uh, over 40 cryptos, including Bitcoin and Ethereum. And they're not the only ones. Wyndham Hotels. Uh, we got a Wyndham right here uh, on the, the place where um, I'm living, just across the street. They are entering a partnership deal with Backed to experiment with a Bitcoin reward program. But uh, Bitcoin's dead, so there's no point in them doing that. You know, it's over. So there you go. It's been fun, though. It has it has been fun. I'm I'm sad to hear 
that is happening. Oh my yeah. god. Oh boohoo. Uh finally, uh our friend Yatsu over at Animoka Games, who is a sponsor of the show, has got a great new article on Coin Telegraph that we encourage you to go check out called NFTs Make It Possible for Gamers to Have Digital Property Rights. He's a visionary and he's not just talking the talk he's walking the walk with the company he's building and encourage you guys to go read this again it's linked in our show notes at badco.in forward slash five three oh and uh speaking of nfts and gaming sir lord travis the nifty show which goes live on thursdays at five o'clock eastern this week is absolutely packed we've got folks from liquid avatar the art vending machine uh the green rabbit which looks to be our planet's uh, first real competitor in the nft staking game on wax and an anonymous founder from the sewer rat social club is going to be joining us and we hope that you guys can make it for the show live if not just go subscribe on youtube or itunes or anywhere that you listen to podcasts to the nifty show and get earfuls of the future all the things that are coming your way because nfts are one of the major gateways to onboarding people into crypto Mm, absolutely agree Absolutely agree. That's going to be a fun show. And we just actually have already interviewed the Sewer Rat Social Club guy. And that's a really fun thing. You can go check that out at sewerratsocial.club. I think, right? That's right. Uh, One piece of listener feedback, and then we're going to get to a bonus interview that we have for you. I don't know if you've seen this, Travis, but uh, Taz643 left a five-star review. And the headline is Awesome Content. And then the content of the actual review is simply the name Aaron, (laughs) who, of course, is our producer. So now we've had a five star review that just says Joel, a five star review that just says Travis and one that says Aaron. Uh, You guys keep them coming. Uh, You know, we're, we're glad that you're spending so much time reviewing us, you know, with these lengthy, verbose reviews. This is great. It really shows you put in a lot of thought and energy into the review, but it is five stars. So we want to say mm-hmm. we'll take thank it you for that. Thank and you. I want to say thank you for still listening to the show. And we've got a great interview for you coming up right here with Joe Houston and Jason Waters of Give Directly. They have been giving so much money. They've given, they've given over $400 million to over 900,000 recipients across nine countries. You got to check this out. Few people are doing as as much good stuff as these guys. One of the best things you could do with your crypto is spend it, but not just on stuff. Like how much stuff does one need? There's, There's such a thing as too much stuff. The best thing that you can do with money once you have your needs met is to help others get their needs met. And recently, in the news, a few high-profile peoples that names you will recognize have donated substantial amounts of crypto to the organization that the gentleman we have with us run. It's called Give Directly, and these guys um, have delivered over $400 million to over 900,000 recipients in nine countries. They let donors send money directly to the world's poorest with no strings attached, and it is the fastest growing international charity of this century. Joe Houston is the managing director and Jason Waters 
is the CFO of Give Directly. Gentlemen, welcome to Bad Crypto. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Glad you guys are here. So, Joe, why don't you go ahead and give us a little bit more of the background there of Give Directly? So, like you said, Give Directly is a nonprofit, and we wherever we work, we're doing one thing: we're giving money, no strings attached, to people who need it. We first got started in Kenya, uh, which both has a lot of people living in extreme poverty and has one of the most advanced digital payment systems in the world. Uh, it's a place where I think emerging market technology has kind of leapfrogged uh, the developing developed world uh, with mobile money, which uh, there it looks like if Venmo and PayPal was way more widespread than it is in the US and there were agents willing to exchange uh, di- you know, the sort of digital balance for a physical one. Um, and so we got started there and then quickly expanded across eight, eight countries in Africa and then have worked in the Caribbean and the US as well. You know, this, what, this is this is something that's that's definitely needed. I think you know when you when you talk about traditional, um, you know, charities like maybe even the Red Cross and some of these more you know more popular ones, like there's a vast percentage of that that goes to the executive team, and there's so much of the spend that goes to things that aren't necessarily uh, the charity that somebody wanted to donate to. How are you guys solving that problem? Because I think that's a really big problem within a lot of charities that deter a lot of people from actually even donating. Yeah, and I think there's a few problems embedded within that. There's uh, one, just the number of intermediaries. Uh, Like the financial system, the kind of aid and nonprofit system is heavily intermediated. If you give in the US and you're trying to help somebody, you know, in one of the poorest countries in the world, uh, whatever organization you're giving to, typically they're giving to another organization, partnering with another organization, finding a local organization who then is giving somebody something that they may not even want. And that's the bad case. doesn't happen all the time, but it happens way too often. And so there's both the level of intermediation. Uh, there's the efficiency hits of all of those sorts of everybody sort of taking their cut uh, along the way. And then, then there's the sort of problem of who gets all of the sort of spending power um, that uh, in the sort of typical model, it's donors and nonprofits spending budgets on behalf of the people they're trying to help. And just giving cash is a way to hand over the budget to the people we actually want to help and sort of give them the power to spend on, on, on what they need. Um, and so what that looks like for GiveDirectly is you can, we're delivering about 90% of every dollar we get in is ending up in somebody's hand at the end of the day. That's not an overhead number. That's literal cash in somebody's hands at the end of the day. And then they're spending it on whatever they want. It could look like, you know, often it's buying livestock, putting a new roof on their home, uh, investing in a business. Sometimes it's, it's fun stuff. I, I met a guy who started a band and, and bought instruments and you know, did gigs in the region. Um, but, uh, you know, the kind of unifying thing is, we're getting the cash to them very efficiently, uh, typically through digital payments, and then uh, the rest is up to them. Well, and some of you might be wondering, you know, what's this got to do with blockchain or crypto? Well, with so many new crypto millionaires and billionaires being made, maybe not in today's market, but certainly in April, uh, and most likely again, they now receive and support crypto donations. And why don't you go ahead, Joe, and uh, tell us a few of the big names that have donated crypto and how much they've given. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just this year, some of the uh, kind of high profile crypto gifts, um, you saw that Jack Dorsey auctioned off the 
NFT for his kind of inaugural tweet, the proceeds for, from that were converted to Bitcoin and then donated to give directly. When Dogecoin went through the roof, Elon Musk and Vitalik Buterin donated a lot uh, uh, of their kind of Dogecoin returns. Um, and in the past, we've, we've had big donations from in Ethereum, in Bitcoin, in Omise Goat coins, in Ripple, sort of all over the map. Yeah, I, I love this. I think that's, you know, there's a lot of a lot of crypto rich folks out there that are, that are newly rich. And so you're just naming some really big folks, right? Like we know Jack Dorsey's got a lot of money. We know Elon's got a ton of money. We know Vitalik has a ton of money. But there's a whole lot of other folks out there that are doing good stuff as well. And especially since you can give directly, which it's in your name, right? 90% of the money that gets donated is actually going to the cause and actually going to impact social change. So to me, that seems great. So how else are you guys working, you know, to, uh, to determine who those folks that are in poverty, how are you determining, you know, if the money's going directly to them, how do you determine who are, are being rewarded with that? It varies by program. And so in the U.S. with our COVID response program, we partnered with uh, a company called Propel that makes an app for managing food assistance benefits. Um, and the nice thing about that was that we had access in a scalable way to 2 million people on food stamps uh, in you know, the kind of worst economic crisis in a decade, at least. And so we were able to sign them up remotely and then send them uh, cash uh, within a couple of weeks. And so we sent over $100 million in the U.S. through that program. Um, in, in Togo, we did an interesting project also with COVID relief where uh, partnered with uh, a telco and sort of used uh, the data they have on individual transactions and how people use their phone uh, with their consent uh, to predict who, who might need money. And that goes down to everything about, you know, if, if it's a prepaid line, what are the increments people are buying minutes in? Do they call somebody and hang up and have them call them back so they pay for the cost of the line? How are they using mobile money? Things like that. And so you, where, are they, where, are they, where are they living? And so you can use that to predict who's vulnerable. And then we signed them up over text and then distributed about uh, over $5 million just sort of directly to their phone. Um, and so it varies a lot. Uh, outside of COVID, uh, when we get to see people face-to-face, -face, we do a lot of door-to-door -door work as well working in poor communities and then typically trying to sign up everybody in that community to receive cash. Hmm. Well, speaking of COVID, it really disrupted so much, even in, you know, in charity work and it caused you guys to have to develop some new tech innovations. What did you do to adapt to this? I think it's a few things. Uh, we, we got to a bit of it where, you know, typically we're going door to door. We're introducing ourselves with, you know, kind of village town hall type meetings. Um, all of that was out of, you know, sort of off the table. And so we had to look at uh, how can we identify people remotely. And so that was through things like partnerships with Propel, partnerships with telcos, partnerships with nonprofits that have lists of, you know, externally validated vulnerable folks. Um, then there's the whole question of how do you communicate with them without showing up and hanging out in the living room. And so for that, it was a lot of text-based approaches. All of our teams basically went from door-to-door -door field teams to at-home call center teams. And so we did a lot of phone calls as well. Um, and, and then the big thing, which wasn't something that was new for us, but was critical to being able to work through COVID was digital payments. And so, you know, for the last decade, we've been 
once a month pressing a button on a laptop and thousands of people are getting a text saying you've received uh, $400 or $20 or something like that. And that remote scalable digital approach was, was huge. Uh, uh, we didn't have to call everybody together for, you know, distributing bags of food, uh, things like that. That's awesome. So there are a lot of advantages, right, for decentralized currencies and, and, and a lot of stuff going on there to help out the, the unbanked and the poor. So are you guys doing stuff with DeFi? Yeah, I mean, we are actively thinking about it. Um, kind of if you think about what works and what doesn't work on our model versus others and kind of not having middlemen, not having these big institutions um, in between donors and the poor, uh, DeFi is obviously a great way to work around what is, you know, arguably one of the reasons they're for in the first place is the formalized banking system. Um, and what's really, really interesting to me is, you know, a lot of what we do is what happens when systems fail, fire, flood, famine, pandemic, um, systems go down, banking systems are one of those systems that go down. Um, and kind of what we need to get money to people on the back of what Joe was just talking about is we need a telecom system and we need a financial system, right? And there are certainly formal, highly regulated versions of those that unfortunately also happen to fail when humanitarian relief is needed. Um, I think the magic for me and kind of bringing all of that together is, you know, informal um, ad hoc telecom networks, you know, drone networks, things like that, using some kind of decentralized finance program to you know, create a network to distribute mobile money in times of need kind of would be the nexus of all those technologies that I think would be really, really exciting. I don't think we're there yet. Um, I don't think all the pieces are in place, um, but it is a thing that I'm tracking closely and would love to be a part of. I wonder if you could give us a little perspective on how bad the poverty problem is around the world. You know, us in the Western world, we've got our first world problems, you know, oh no, the power went out for a few hours. I wonder if my freezer full of meat, you know, is going to make it. But around the world, they have real problems. Uh, maybe statistics, demographics, what can you toss at us to give us an idea of where how bad the problem actually is? Yeah. And I, I think I'll start with what it feels like, you know, take electricity, running water off the table. Uh, these are folks who, if they have electricity, it's a, you know, they bought like a small solar panel to put on the roof and they're charging a phone um, and then running water, maybe at the kind of nearest market center, but that's if you live in the sort of like better off area. Um, you're typically a subsistence farmer. And so the way you're surviving is growing crops or raising livestock and eating most of those and then selling some subset for soap and things like that that you can't uh, raise yourself. Uh, most of the people we're getting cash to have uh, homes built out of uh, what we say or organic material. So typically like mud, straw, things like that. Um, uh, which can insulate a home and work pretty well, except uh, straw can leak and things like that. And so a lot of the people we get cash to replace straw roofs with tin ones, uh, as an example. Uh, to zoom out a bit, uh, the sort of world considers uh, extreme poverty if you're living on less than $1.90 a day. Um, and there's about 700, billion, 700 million folks living on less than $1.90 a day. And the good thing actually was that over the last decade, that's been going down that economies have been getting better, people have been developing. Uh, but COVID is the first uh, 
big reversal of that trend, that's sort of multi-decade long trend, uh, where a lot of people who had recently escaped poverty went right back in, uh, as you have the economic shutdowns, as you have new health costs, new kind of logistical concerns to get over. Uh, a lot of people who had just scraped their way out uh, were suddenly back under, you, you know, a couple bucks a day. That's crazy when you think about that. And then, as you mentioned, that's all over the world. Like, there are people all over the world that are making less than $2 a day. And if you guys are able to help them, like, how are you determining, like, which ones? are? Because if they don't have a lot of money, then they probably don't have a lot of technology to even be connected to you guys. So is that is that where you guys are going directly to them? Like, all right, as you mentioned, you know, here, I'm here in the village. I can see you have a bad roof. Here's some money. Like, how are you determining who gets the 400 per month, who gets the 20 per month or whatever, whenever you guys are distributing those funds? Often it's picking regions where we have good data on where the poorest people are in a given country or in the world. And then within those regions, going door to door. And if we get our way, signing everybody up. If we're working with a particular partner on a particular project, maybe it's more limited. You know, we're looking for mothers of young children who are, have nutrition issues or something like that. Uh, but most often we're signing everybody up in a region that we know to be very, very poor. Um, and the neat thing about that is you can have these kind of broader macro effects of the cash transfers as well. That it's not just you got some got somebody that some money, they spent it on some stuff they wanted, their life's a bit better, uh, but also that the money circulates in the economy. And so we did a study in, in Kenya looking at, you know, what are these kind of broader community level effects of, of cash transfers? And unlike in-kind aid, where if you're dropping a bunch of shoes on an area, you might be depressing, you know, lowering the price for shoes or hurting local shoemakers. Uh, with cash, uh, for every dollar redistributed, uh, you got sort of $2.60 of economic activity it, it, uh, sort of increases in, in, in the community. And so that I think that effect is pretty neat to see as well. Hmm. The website for you guys to participate is givedirectly.org. And while we might tell you about IDOs and places to participate for those. We don't always participate in those, but whenever there's an opportunity to make a difference and we've got somebody on the show, I really like to step in and set the example. So I just donated half an ETH. So this is an opportunity for you guys to go use your crypto. You can use a credit card or PayPal, but I'm like, hey, it's a bad crypto podcast. Let's do crypto and givedirectly.org is where you can do that. How much will a thousand dollars, what will that take care of? Cause that's about what half an ETH is right now. Uh, I doubt a year and a half worth of income for a person living below a dollar 90 a day. Um, like my favorite story is one that came out recently in Malawi. Um, woman up in the mountains spent $386 on a, on a motorbike. She was living below a dollar 90 a day. She was making $15 a day being the only taxi driver in the village. She increased her quality of life 10 times with $386. So you just did that for three people, Joel. Thank you. Oh. Nice. And I'm doing that as well because we like to stay bad over here. So nice. You yeah, you guys are doing some great stuff over there. And we would encourage folks out there that if you've been listening to the show and you've had some sweet crypto gains and you feel like uh, you felt you know, called to to help out some others that are maybe less fortunate. You know, they, these, these folks over here have delivered 90% of up to $400 million. Like that's better than you're going to see at pretty much any charity around the world. And this is directly impacting and helping the folks. So 
give what you can and give freely. Gentlemen, thanks so much for coming on today, sharing your story with us and doing good stuff around the world. GiveDirectly.org. And uh, please keep up with us and, and let us know new developments. Thanks, Joel guys. Travis, we'll, thank you. Yeah. We'll get on uh, delivering that funds to, to folks who need it. And, uh, and both Travis and I were moved during this interview to lead by example and give ourselves the text IDs for our donations from our wallets to give directly are in the show notes as well. Badco.in forward slash 530. We encourage you to give generously. These guys are the epitome of do good stuff and, uh, and we support their efforts. Ask you to do so as well. Yeah, I gave one more dollar than Joel did just because I'm doing extra good. <laughs> good plus. Thanks for listening. Uh, Travis, our next show, our Sunday show is going to be our John McAfee tribute. Oh, very nice. Mm -hmm. So uh, we have not yet recorded that, but we have all the materials prepped for that. So we're probably going to do it this weekend. Maybe even maybe we'll do it in person, Trev. Maybe we'll get together at my place or your place and um, and record that show. Well, you've not been over here and swam for a couple of days. So a few days. Work. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We appreciate you. If you are an NFT fan, put the 13th of July at 10 a.m. on your calendar because the bro punks are coming. Our own generative or degenerative NFT series inspired by everybody's favorite Bitcoin bro, Ken Bosak. One of ones, nothing but one of ones. Bropunks.com. Thanks to Sir Lord Travis Wright for an awesome website and in uh, the cool work that you're doing. And uh, you guys are going to dig this. We'll catch you on the next episode of the John McAfee Tribute episode coming Sunday night. Until then, stay back. Who's bad? The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.